0: Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Part of our Star Wars celebration today, music from The Force Awakens and Rogue One, May the 4th be with you and i know someone who the force is with in strong well force and that would be jacob banks who's joining me in studio
1: that's right (laughs) here we are it's music 101 what are the chances (laughs) what are the chances it fall on although i'm i know this day is cinco de cuatro oh sure if you're a fan of arrested development that's a that's a the beginning of the of the final season of Arrested Development is... On. But I, I won't get into it. It's not, not worth it, but it's... it's So anyway, uh, here we are. It's... Yeah. it's. I mean, it feels like the end of the season of Music 101. I mean, we continue in the summer, though we usually take June off, and we'll have to talk about that, Mindy. Yeah, um, yeah. Your I need some, I know. Here. Well, seriously. I mean, this 30 minutes a month is really taking its toll, so I have to... I have... I need some time to pause and reflect. So... Anyway, and come back
0: strong in the right, in the right, home. exactly. We'll be strong, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come, we'll back, come strong. back strong. No, we'll be back
1: definitely in July, and maybe we'll do June too. I don't know, but I, I love Music 101. I love coming over to talk with you, and it is a beautiful day out there.
0: Oh, yeah, after so many dreary, dreary, yeah, kind of gray days. It, 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 was... it just, I think, you know, it just kind of lifts everybody's spirits, even if there's. Other things going on that uh, might not be so uplifting. Right. Uh, at least the day is beautiful, the weather's great, and we're going to be talking about your Occidental Symphony, which I had just a few minutes to tell you quickly, because uh, of course we always do catch up when you come in here. Right. Um, this was one of those Music 101s, and I mean last April, you know, this April, a month ago, yes. when you and I were talking about St. Matthew Passion. And we we started referencing your Occidental Symphony, which is going to be the topic of today's Music 101. And you gave a great little synopsis of the piece, the inspiration, uh, who commissioned it, and blah, blah, blah. And it was just a, a nice, beautifully done, little, capsulated... Self-promotion. You know, like, well. well,
1: you know how I hate to talk about myself.
0: <laughs> I know. Why well, did you twist your arm for this well,
1: one? Wow, <laughs> A little. What can I say? <laughs> The hours I put in—it's someone must be forced to hear about it. That's why I teach, right? That's right. No, it is not. Well, but but,
0: but you know, I mean, this I, really this is a big deal, and uh, it was so fascinating because of all of the emails and comments that we get from listeners. That one it has inspired the most commentary That's great. to date. Yeah. Fantastic. I had emails and calls from people that may have only heard part of some of that and they were wondering a symphony. Yeah. I heard Vachel Lindsay. Guy smiling.
1: So and so we found a Vachel Lindsay fan, which is great. I'm so happy to hear that because Vachel Lindsay is highly underrated in my opinion. Uh, Carl Sandburg takes all the air out of the room, takes up all the bandwidth for Illinois poets, and if there's anything left, it goes to Edgar Lee Masters. Right. But in fact, I find certain of each. I mean, you know, not every not every poem is of equal merit, obviously, but certain ones, including Brian, 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 Brian. But also, he he's well known um, for. There's a one that he wrote at the outbreak of World War One called Abraham Lincoln Walks at Midnight, which is a poem, basically, Lincoln's walking around Springfield lamenting the fact that wars continue um, after the Civil War. But there is a poem uh, that's simply called Lincoln by Vachel Lindsay, uh, and it's short enough, I'm going to read it to you. It is, um, and this is because we've had a big Lincoln kick. We've been on a big Lincoln kick at my house. My kids are, we went down to the museum because we went down to the Vachel Lindsay home, and then while we were there, which is like two blocks from Abe Lincoln's house, and in fact, his home was owned by a Todd sister, so so that that, that house was, Lincoln had been there many times, but, but he says, uh, this is what Lindsay says in his poem, would I might rouse the Lincoln in you all, that which is tendered in the wilderness in lonely prairies and God's tenderness. Imperial soul, star of a weedy stream, born where the buffaloes still dream, whose spirit hoofbeats still storm above that grave, above that heart of earth and prairie fire, fire that freed the slave. Vachel Lindsay Powerful. is underrated. I think yeah. so. I was so happy to hear that there were people around. here. I mean, maybe we need a branch of the Vachel Lindsay Society in the Quad Cities because, and again, I love Sandberg and Masters as far as your 20th century um, Illinois poets. But I don't know. Something about the poem Brian, 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 Brian really struck me. In fact, it struck me a long time ago in high school. I took it to the to the state speech meet. Um, that was where I first learned of the poem, and you know, here many years later revisited it and uh so it, it seemed like uh my first plan with the marine band was to write a concerto for band similar to bartok's concerto for orchestra where everyone would be featured because the fact is it's a band of virtuosi they're mm-hmm. all amazing and so i figured well now would be a good chance to sort of write. i thought about writing five movements like bartok wrote and sort of having you know big arch forms but the more i got into it the more i thought you know i i, I can write anything i want for them. Of any duration, I should write a symphony. This is I if I'm ever going to have a chance to write a symphony. Now is my chance. Uh, It's for wind ensemble, which is fine. They're they're such a fine wind ensemble, and and I was determined also to make it not not a pre-transcription, meaning a piece that I really wish I would have had strings for. No, I wanted it to be a piece that was truly for band Mm -hmm. and yet truly a symphony, Um, and. I, I the, You know, as uh, world events shaped up last year uh, and elections were on everyone's mind, I returned to um, this poem, Brian, 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 uh, which is autobiographical. Lindsay was 16 years old uh, in Springfield when Brian came through. William Jennings Bryan, uh, who went up against William McKinley in 1896. In 1896 yeah. elections,
0: which Absolutely. was also an extremely contentious oh, gosh. election year. Well, you've heard, I don't
1: know if you know this, but these things can be very contentious. <laughs> yeah. So it 1896 was just a mind blower. I mean, it w- and the issue was, I mean, think about this. This is what I explained to people. If you want to know how crazy it was, imagine um, if in... 2012, the Democratic Party had gotten together and had written a platform that intentionally omitted Barack Obama, a sitting president who could run for re-election. I mean, the, the, the Free Silver movement, which was total, which completely and totally overtook the Democratic Party in that year, was so, it was just like this crazy groundswell and it was so, so central and crucial to people and completely caught fire such that Grover Cleveland was, was excluded from mm-hmm. the uh, um, convention. So it was so contentious and uh, and a fascinating election. But what I love about the election was uh, the entire issue of Free Silver, which we won't we don't have time to get into no, for now, do we? To... There's some music we'll There's the around music. here somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> but Lindsay was a, a, a supporter of William Jennings Bryan. Absolutely. He totally was on board with where Bryan's feelings were about all of
1: this. Right. And in fact, this brings and us... he saw him. For sure. Fact, yeah, he did. Through. He saw him in Springfield. Um, and he, Lindsay also grew up, I mean, I went and I took my kids and my wife, we all went down to the Vachel Lindsay home. You can look outside his bedroom and see the Illinois governor's mansion where John Peter Altgeld was governor at the time. who was sort of a great progressive hero. Um, and uh, it's we can, there's so much to talk about. But the, it, right? let's talk about 1896 because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. my hope for this Music 101 is actually to drive people who are curious to go look at YouTube. There's a great video of the concert. Yes, uh, the there Four is. Movement, it's all broken down. You get to see the Marine Band sort of in their full uniform, they're phenomenal musicians. So I thought I'd give a little taste of each movement. uh, And then people can, if they'd like to hear more, uh, go check out the playlist on YouTube. Mm -hmm.
0: What I really liked about this, I listened to the whole thing yesterday, is you, you really, each of these movements, I mean, it all goes together, but each of them is kind of a standalone. You weren't really trying for a great symphonic narrative here at all this was not really programmatic in that sense
1: absolutely it's it's hard to explain the difference right because and I said in my program notes this is a symphony not a symphonic poem I have no problem with narratives I love storytelling there's a sort of an aversion among some composers to telling stories as if that's some kind of crutch that's not how I feel but it was like I took I, I felt like Lindsay took his own experiences in the 1896 election and turned them into a something bigger and more abstract because it wasn't just about free silver, it was about East versus West. And it was about insiders and outsiders. And it was about, uh, you know, he says at the end of the poem, this was the defeat of my boyhood, the defeat of my dream. So for him, it was like, I mean, it, it, so it's, it was about bigger things. And so sort of he rearranged events. Uh, and so I saw no problem with rearranging events. Um, so let's talk about the first yeah. movement, because it, it, this one touches really directly, and it's, you wouldn't know this unless you, I told you. <laughs> so there's a... Um, the, this thing opens with... Uh, there are two elements. Um, and in fact, wh- I'm just why don't we just play the beginning of the first movement? But see, listeners, see if you can hear... There's two different groups. I've made partisans of the Marine Band. So there's two different groups... Um, of instruments and they have very different sound and I want to see if listeners maybe can hear the difference. So here's the very beginning of the first movement of Occidental Symphony. So maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. There are two groups. One is sort of the pinging, high, you know, silvery... Is the wrong word? Sound of sort silver. Sort of gold. Actually, it's, it should be golden. It's this yeah. glistening, sort of uh, very high and, and kind of, you know, exalted sound. And then there's the euphoniums, the tubas, the bassoons, the clarinets, all on this sort of low, steady chord. Well, the Battle of 1896 was gold versus silver. Gold was, you know, for in Lindsay's mind, were the plutocrats out east uh, with dollar signs upon their coats. and uh, And the sort of free, unrestrained, unrefined West. Uh, that wanted free and unlimited coinage of silver. So I've set up at this very beginning this dichotomy. In fact, there's a chord. So I have what I call the gold chord and what I call the silver chord. And in fact, this whole opening section, they're sort of like living in separate worlds. Um, Ultimately, uh, as the first movement progresses, that silver chord takes over Um, because the title of the first movement is Blue Border of the West, which is basically, it's sort of this Mississippi panorama. Um, which we all know so well around here, um, but I thought it would be fun to take it uh, to the nation's capital. And uh, it sort of, the, the whole idea was that the West, the Mississippi itself, represented this sort of new possibility, poor farmers, um, miners, uh, people who, uh, you know, the term, the, the phrases, uh, and my daughter loves to recite this line, prairie schooner children born beneath the stars with no physician there except a Kansas prayer. The, the whole first movement is silver, basically. Sort of what what kind of ground uh, on which did we have silver? And then at the end of the first movement, gold comes back. And they're no longer sort of peacefully coexisting. Oh, not at all. Right. Gold yeah. <laughs> gold starts to sort of, you know, gold returns. And then silver, you know, having seen this, there's a very, it's the first movement is very expansive. Very much inspired by the first movement of, of Scheherazade, actually. Um, of Rimsky-Korsakov it's got this big sort of rolling expansive sound and silver, you know, having sort of shown its beauty, uh, is no longer ready to uh, to get play nice uh, with the East. And so, at the end of the first movement, there's this sort of battle that that, uh, that starts to break out between this gold and silver chords. They come back, and it's like, uh-oh, uh, ba- bad news. And the entire second movement, uh, which is called "Nebraska's Cry Went Eastward," uh, was basically th- uh, this entire movement that was fomenting in the West toward free and unlimited coinage of silver. It really wasn't just about currency. It was about uh, who is the economy for? What is a businessman was what Brian asked at his famous cross of gold speech. They say, well, you think a businessman is somebody who sits in an office and handles money. He says, I think a shop owner's a businessman. I think a farmer's a businessman. Like, basically, who is the economy for? Um, and the silver standard became this, you know, cry that went eastward, Nebraska's cry, because, of course, you know, as a native Nebraskan, you know who's from, who is an Omaha native, William Jennings Bryan. Bryan, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so let's listen to the beginning of this uh, scherzo movement, the second movement, Nebraska's cry went eastward. We'll hear, um, there's a huge E-flat clarinet solo, Michelle uh Urznikov, uh, who's an amazing E flat clarinet player, the principal E flat clarinet. Can you believe that? In the Marine Band, um, is has this big solo, which it's just supposed to sound scrappy and western and uh, unrespectful, um, but vigorous and ready for a fight. Uh, here's the second movement. Nebraska's cry went eastward. <laughs>
0: I love that. The E flat clarinet (laughs) demanding to be heard. Right. There's no. You will hear me. Well,
1: and so the second movement is a series of these solos. The E flat clarinet has one, and then there's sort of a tenor sax uh, bass trombone duo, and then the trumpets have their thing. And then the whole second half of it is a repeat of the first half, but this time she's bringing her friends. So rather than being an E flat (laughs) clarinet solo, it's this, because they have a million clarinets in the Marine Band, it's this crazy clarinet thing. So it's just this big, massive riot uh and you can imagine for for gold uh what what a how terrifying that was um for Nebraska's cry to go eastward and think I mean if you just learn about the machinations of the McKinley campaign and how they managed to um adjust their messaging and not imagining they needed to uh you know he wanted McKinley wanted to fight the election over tariffs because that was his strong suit Uh, But this currency question came up in a big way. So (laughs) I sort of jump for the third movement. I jump out of the narrative. uh, So the things, you know, again, I'm not following a story so much. The third movement is called Gone to Join the Shadows. And this has become a phrase that we've adopted (laughs) around my house, um, where uh, it basically means, and it's sort of a poignant phrase, but I'm amazed when my kids, even uh, my four-year-old will come up and say this. Um, My six-year-old, when the Christmas tree was sitting on the was sitting on the curb and it looks so sad <laughs> yeah. and i said and and i say yeah. and he's like oh there's the christmas tree he's like gone to join the, the shadows, shadows. <laughs> um and there's this beautiful the if you read nothing else in the brian poem read the last section uh where uh lindsey basically goes through all the big power players in the 1896 election and he says where are they now You know, this is, you know, 30 some years later, 20 some years later. And he says, where are they now? And they've all gone to join the shadows. And there are those that he deeply respects, including Brian and John Peter Altgeld. And he says, you know, uh, when he talks about Altgeld uh, um, gone to join the ironies with old John Brown whose fame mm. rings loud for a thousand years. Mm. Uh, it just, it's amazing, actually, he doesn't mention Lincoln at all in this poem because he was such, you know, he was so close an ardent, to Lincoln, an ardent uh, yeah, Lincoln an supporter. Too, I mean, yeah. knew his neighborhood. He lived in Lincoln's neighborhood. But in any case, gone to join the shadows. And uh, um, we'll just play the beginning of this movement. There are a bunch of different elements, but basically one of the fun things about the beginning is it starts with this flute trio that keeps coming back. And playing principal flute happens to be Elizabeth Plunk for... Uh, formerly uh, Elizabeth McCafferty, who grew up across the street from my current home in Moline. Um, and I didn't know this until I visited the Marine Band for my last premiere with them. And she said, you know, we've sort of played, oh, you're from Quad Cities, where? And we zeroed in on, and his her mother is um, organist, and an uh, organist, I think it, I don't want to say which church in, in Moline because I'll be wrong, uh, but she's a you know local musician. And so Elizabeth, many people around here know Elizabeth. So you'll hear this beautiful flute trio and know that uh, that, th- that very top yeah. of it is, you know, <laughs> a local girl done good. Yeah. Uh, and then that, that flute trio is contrasted with this brass chorale, which sort of marinates for the whole movement and then blossoms fully near the very end of the movement. But this is the beginning of Gone to Join the Shadows.
0: Yeah, totally love that. As a former flute player, I can tell you, <laughs> getting to hear the flute sort of shine yeah. at the opening of a movement is awesome. But it also, I think, really uh, highlights the sort of uh, reflective quality that this movement brings to it with Gone to the Shadows. Where have they all gone? Right. You know, there's there's this sweet, almost lyrical uh, flute trio kind of providing that whiff of nostalgia or, yeah. or, or reminiscing. Yep.
1: Yeah. And at the end of the movement, um, there's a just, and it wouldn't be, I won't call it a surprise, but there's a, the flutes continue, and then they find themselves mm-hmm. at a loss. Yeah. And and you'll hear why because it ended up in the, the contrabass clarinet and uh, bass clarinet have an answer, and I don't think it's what the flutes want to hear. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> That's and so. so true. Um, <laughs> So anyway, it, that was such a pleasure. That movement was the one we workshopped the most because it was so delicate and everything had, we cut little, cut a portion out and we changed the chord here. I mean, it was great to have that opportunity. We have only a few minutes left, so I want to get to the last movement because I think this would be the one that would perhaps be the most entertaining, if nothing else. I sort of jump back into the narrative of the 1896 election and, and try to describe in a way, musically, uh, <clears throat> the kind of uh atmosphere surrounding uh political speech in springfield in 1896 um and in fact uh we'll just play the beginning of it the whole thing most of it is are these 16 or 32 bar phrases that are repeated and every, every repeat has something added when you repeat. Uh, so you hear the same thing over and over, but it's sort of swirling, and eventually this sort of Sousa-style march emerges. Uh, we don't have time to get that far into the piece now. We'll sort of get close. But the march slowly emerges, and then there's a big trombone solo. And people will be interested to know that the trombonist, actually in his part, I put under his notes words from William Jennings Bryan's Cross of Gold Speech. So he's actually playing, but he's singing. He's actually singing these words from the Cross of Gold Speech. So, uh, and the principal trombone just does a phenomenal job playing this. But let's listen maybe to the beginning of, the movement is called, And the Bands Played Strange and Stranger Music. So yeah the, yeah, the madness continues, um, and and ultimately everyone jumping into the fray, right.
0: sort of, and getting making sure their voice is heard in all right. of this. I, awesome, I love this.
1: And there's a turning point after this, and this is where I sort of because um, uh, Lindsay's own life ended very tumultuously in a, in, a, in the midst of the Great Depression, very very tragically, very sad. Yes, yes. very very sad. Um, and he, so. I couldn't leave that out because I I feel like the the enveloping chaos that was the 1896 election in many ways never left him, uh, and the fact that he himself has gone to join the shadows. Um, I just there there's a turning point where the where the Susan March and the political rally give way to um, something much more tragic, um, and. Uh, I don't know if the ending is tragic or exultant or not. It certainly is not ironic, and I didn't want it to. I was worried with all the Susan March stuff that it was it would get kind of corny or that it would be like a joke. And I was surprised to find, I don't know what you thought as a listener, that there's not really parody. It doesn't no, seem like parody. No,
0: or even pastiche or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It, it's very much, uh, and, and again, given the fact that there is also some history mm-hmm. tied in with Sousa in 1896 right, with right. this symphony, I thought that it was great to kind of give that nod to that Um,
1: it's a funny thing because when i wrote my first piece for them i had this approach which was okay best musicians in the country let's write the hardest thing like if i'm ever going to write something really hard it's going to be now and so the piece (laughs) i wrote for them the information age it was tough and it was fun i mean and and the the augie uh uh um symphonic band augustana symphonic band played it beautifully um and so you know it was a challenge to which many people rose but i'm like you know what to do it again i'm like i have to Okay, so we we know that they've got chops. We know they're the best. But what what is their native language? And they, I mean, John Philip Sousa ran this band. He wrote many of his marches for this band. They play it constantly. I mean, and it is true civic music. So I thought, you know, why don't I write my own Sousa march, do it in the context of this movement right. that is about a political rally, and then and 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 sort of see what happens and it was it was so fun and then again so, so we heard a bit of the movement the whole thing is in march time the whole thing's in march time it just sort of like slowly kind of emerges you know that oh this is actually a, a march, march. Yeah. yeah and uh, and they played the portions that were t- t- intended to be you know almost copies of what sue you know I wanted people to wonder did Sousa write that or not. It was sort of a, a challenge I set to myself and and so you can tell me whether you know people can email and say ah it was a a poor imitation. I had a guy come up to me at that concert and said, "I do not approve." Seriously? <laughs> he, yes, he was very he was very complimentary, but he was he was making fun of me for, oh. you know, he said, "May John Philip Souza haunt you." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wasn't what I was going for, Right, but okay. well,
1: whatever, you know. That, that's that's You never know how reactions will go. So. Well, we
0: heard the President's Own United States Marine Band featured in this performance because they gave the world premiere yes. of your work, The Occidental Symphony. And this has been the subject of today's Music 101, and absolutely fascinating. Uh, so anyone that wants to learn more about Vachel Lindsay... Go to it, because yeah. there's there's a lot of great stuff here. Jacob, thanks again.
1: Thank you. I can't believe how fast our time flies. I know. Too All much right.
0: fun. Yep, till next month.